Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. With me in your Bible this morning, too. I've got several uh, passages I want to open to, but... uh, you know, I'll give you a scripture in a minute. I'm still getting it settled in my spirit which direction I want to go. When it comes to authority, on Sundays here for the last couple of times I've ministered on Sunday morning, we've been talking about authority and the authority that the believer has. And before that, we were talking about times of restoration. And we mentioned that in these last days, God is restoring some things to the church. Remember that scripture over in Acts chapter 3 that we've read so many times that uh, uh, repent so that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord uh, and that he would send Jesus, he said, who, whom the heavens has received until the times of restoration of all things. So before Jesus comes back, there has to be times of restoration. We believe we're in one of those times of restoration right now where the Spirit of God is restoring some things. And uh, we identified just three things. Not that that's the only, these are the only three things, but we identified three things that we think are very important and that uh, God is restoring uh, in the church. And it's not so much that God withdrew these things. It's not, that's not the, of the case. It's not that God withdrew, withdrew them and then is giving them back. The church has fallen away in some things and let turn loose of some truths. And the Spirit of God is restoring these things in the church. First of all, we talked about a restoration of the character of Christ. And boy, oh boy, do we need that in the church today. Amen? A restoration of the character of Christ. A restoration, secondly, of the power of Christ. And then thirdly, a restoration of the authority of Christ. And so uh, we ministered on that. And then I took this opportunity following that to talk more about the authority that is being restored and the knowledge of it that is being restored in the church. And uh, I... I pointed this out to you before that when, when it comes to the message of, of authority, and really this is true concerning every truth of the Word of God, uh, the things that, the, that are contained in the Bible, you cannot fully understand just with your mind, just grasping Uh, words, whether they're in English or whatever your native language would be uh, that are in the Bible or listening to a preacher, that you can only grasp so much mentally. How how many of you in here uh, have taken advanced advanced mathematics in college? Calculus or something along that level? Raise your hand up real high. Well, I tell you what, put your hands down. How many of you have not taken advanced mathematics? Those of us who have our hands up now, would we probably all agree that those other guys have some understanding of mathematics that we don't have? Yeah. But you see, the understanding that these other guys, these, uh, I'll just say these other guys, the, the, the understanding these other people have is head knowledge. 
they, they received it mentally. They, they comprehend it mentally. They have a grasp uh, intellectually and mentally of certain, uh, uh, certain, what would you call it, certain concepts of mathematics that, that the rest of us just haven't grasped yet because we haven't studied it. Well, that you can, you can learn natural things that way. Spiritual things aren't learned that way. Spiritual things are learned by, they're picked up in here. That doesn't mean that our mind isn't involved. Our mind is involved, but the Spirit of God has to reveal these things to us. Now, now I know where I want to go. Go over with me to 1 Corinthians and look at chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's begin in verse number 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. It's talking about the spiritually mature. I'm sorry, what did I say? Chapter 2. Did I say chapter 6? Sorry. 2-6. Hallelujah. I won't ask how many of you knew where I was reading from. <laughs> Evidently, a lot of people didn't. <laughs> First Corinthians 2, verse number 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature and who know their Bible. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Not really. Anyway. (laughs) Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, which are coming to nothing. Notice there is a wisdom of this age, but there is a spiritual wisdom that belongs to believers, and it belongs to those, and and let me say it this way, it belongs to all of us, but it is recognized and contained among those who are mature in the Lord. You might say, well, that, Pastor, you're leaving me out because I'm, 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 I'm just a babe in Christ. The thing about it, though, spiritual maturity is not like physical maturity or natural maturity. You know, a six-year-old, no matter how much you try to help him, is not going to have the maturity of a 16-year-old or a 26-year-old. It just simply takes time. Spiritual things are not that way. We can advance spiritually uh, very rapidly. I've noticed this about ministry over the years that even when I deal with things that are uh, somewhat deeper in the scriptures, even baby Christians, if they've got the Holy Spirit, which they do, but if they're listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring truth, everybody on every level is able to get something because the Spirit of God is able to take it and break it down and feed it into the hearts of everybody present. But still at the same time, there are some things that require more maturity. Amen? He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained, ordained before the ages For our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, when it talks about the wisdom of God in a mystery, 
we don't have time because if I follow up on all these scriptures, we'll, we'll just keep getting further and further off my topic. But when the Bible in the New Testament talks about mystery, Paul talks very often. He, he, so it's a word that Paul used very often, the mystery that was revealed. The mystery of God that the New Testament talks about is the whole body of truth that has to do with the church age, the church and everything about the church. This is the mystery. This is something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. There was no reference in the Old Testament to the New Testament church. Old Testament people didn't see it. They had no idea that there was a church coming, that God was going to take out from among all people, Jew and Gentile, and together form a new body called the church. That was hidden. The truths concerning the church were hidden. But they were hidden from, in previous times, they were hidden from the devil and from people so that they could be revealed today. So the wisdom of God that was, that was hidden was hidden, it says, from, he said, the rulers of this world did not know it. That's why the, the truth about the church was hidden. It was hidden so that so that it could be protected so that it could be revealed today. The, the mystery is no longer hidden. It is being openly declared. It is openly described in the New Testament. It's no longer hidden. It was hidden, but it's not anymore. That makes sense? Okay. He says, uh, for none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the, glory, oh, the Lord of glory. For it is written... I has not seen nor ear heard, heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. You must be listening with your spirit. You must be, you must hear. That's why Jesus said, take heed how you hear. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. There are some things of God which are very deep, exceedingly deep. But thank God the spirit of God searches it all out. For what purpose? To reveal it to us. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. Now Paul is talking about his own speech, his own preaching. And it would include... Uh, the written word as well because he preached these things. He also wrote these things down, mailed these epistles to the church. He said, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I believe there's a a couple of different applications uh, to this verse but I think it primarily is referring to the scriptures. Which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. We know that the New Testament says that the word of God is, the scriptures are God-breathed. 
That's what the word in, it's translated inspired, but what it says in the Greek, it says all scripture comes by the inspiration of God. What it says in the Greek is that all scriptures are God-breathed. So the word that was given to us uh, is not, the, the word that we read in the New Testament isn't uh, words which man's wisdom would teach, but it's words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spirituals. Some translations read, take comparing spiritual ideas with spiritual words, associating spiritual truths with spiritual words. That's why the word of God has to be your, your primary focus when you're uh, uh, endeavoring to know God and to move further uh, in, in your relationship with him, to know him better, to be more acquainted with his plan and purpose for your life. The word of God has to be the foundation. Because these are words that were given by the Spirit. But having said that, the words alone will not fully help you. You have to have the Spirit to help you understand those words. It's called revelation knowledge. Other people will call it enlightenment or illumination We have to have the illumination of the Spirit, the enlightening of the Spirit in order to fully comprehend these words that the Spirit gave, that the Holy Spirit chose. Okay, with that in mind, I said all that to to take you back over to Ephesians chapter 1. And this time I'm sure it's chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Let's start in verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now here's what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, but it would apply today to the church anywhere. Amen. What God wanted for that church in that day, he wants for our church today. Let me, let me jump ahead just a little bit. All of the verses we're about to read, from verses 18 all the way to 23, all have to do with our authority in Christ. This is the main topic that, that he's dealing with right here in this passage. Our authority in Christ. And I'll show you how, uh, what I mean by that. He said, I pray that the Father, the, that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You can see again that we must have this spirit of wisdom and revelation to fully know him. Amen. Some people read the Bible sort of like they read the Reader's Digest. They just read it, you know, and, and, and read over it, but they never allow the Holy Spirit to teach them anything. When I was in, when I was in Bible school, there was a couple that uh, 
who, who were from Jacksonville like we were, we met just a few weeks before we went to Bible school. And we all moved out there together. In, in fact, I helped uh, load up the furniture in their house and, and uh, pulled it with, my, uh, with the truck that I had. And, uh, but anyway, this lady, she, was, she and her husband were French. And her mother uh, was, was French. In fact, her mother, I don't believe, spoke any English. She only spoke French. And when this, this woman that we knew, these friends of ours, when she tried to get her mom interested in the Bible, her mom's response was, oh, I've read that. I've read the Bible. As if, you know, it's a novel. You read one time and then you put it back on the shelf and you say, well, I've read that. Some people read the Bible that way. No, it requires, he said here, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm telling you, in the day in which we live right now, we all, we all are very aware of the crises that are unfolding all over the world. We're aware of the threat of terrorism. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, we've seen this uh, explode on the scene, you know, in such graphic ways in France and, and Belgium is on lockdown right now. There's a lot of threats being made concerning the, the uh, United States. We're all aware of this. I'm telling you, church, in the day in which we live right now, I don't know of, I don't know of any two things that are greater or of greater importance that the church needs to get a hold of right now than being led by the Spirit and understanding our authority. Now, we've talked a lot about being led by the Spirit. I talked about it on Wednesday night again. We must, I'm telling you, we must be led by the Holy Spirit every day, everywhere we go. Being led of the Spirit is not walking around, uh, you know, looking over your shoulder, being afraid that somebody's about to, to kill you. That's not being led of the Spirit. I said Wednesday night, being led of the Spirit is not paranoia. Amen. But that, having said that, we must learn to become sensitive to the Spirit's leading as we go about our business because the Holy Spirit will not allow us to step into harm's way without warning us. I said the Holy Spirit will not allow us to step into harm's way without, without alerting us. And that applies to everybody in this room. If you're born again, he's, if, how many of your parents, how many of you would fail to warn your children if you knew they were about to, to step into a dangerous situation and they didn't know it? How many of you would, would say, well, you know, he's kind of hard-headed and he hadn't been talking to me very much lately, so I'm just going to let him, I'm just going to let him, you know. Come on now. No, if, if it's something that, that could hurt or injure your child, you're going to warn them in, in, on natural terms, even if they don't want to hear it. Isn't that right? Our Father is not going to allow us to step into danger and into path of danger without His Spirit warning us and alerting us. But... We have to be sensitive to that. We have to learn, we have to discipline ourselves and get in the habit of hearing from him and being able to detect when he is speaking to us. 
The problem with that is most people have been led by their church, their denomination, or their church history to believe that God will alert us in some kind of extraordinary way. Out here, you know, he'll fly a plane by us with a big banner saying, duck and run. (laughs) That's not the way he warns us. He warns us right down in here. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, he will not allow us to to walk into danger without warning us. But it's critical that we learn to detect that, be sensitive to that, to recognize that warning when it comes. Isn't that right? So that's, that's these two things, being led of the Spirit and understanding our authority. Because as Christians, we are not supposed to go through life and just allow anything the devil wants to do to us take place. That's not what we're called to. Some people are big, real big on persecution. And so they've got the idea, well, we're living in a time where Christians are going to be persecuted and we're just going to have to give our lives and, and have our heads cut off and have all these terrible things happen. Listen, the Bible says all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And there have been times where people, because of their testimony, had to lay down their lives for Christ. That does not mean that we take a, a uh, casual approach to this and just, say, and just say, well, you know, here's my head. I'll put it on the chopping block. Paul ended up giving his life for the gospel. He was martyred. But before that happened, he had opportunities when the government and other people tried to come down on him and he stood his ground. He said, no, you don't do that. I'm a Roman soldier. You don't beat a Roman soldier without being tried and convicted. And they, what happened? They backed off. Isn't that right? He took his stand. We're supposed to take our stand. We're supposed to take our stand naturally. We're supposed to take our stand spiritually. And there's a difference between being martyred and being murdered. Amen. God didn't call us to, to be murdered. Amen. I'm not saying there aren't some legitimate cases of people being martyred. I'm, I'm saying a lot of times people that have been supposedly martyred just didn't know their authority in Christ. Now, I'm not criticizing them. They're in heaven. You know, and thank God for their testimony. But it's better for the church to understand its role in this world and understand who we are and understand that we're supposed to take the word of God and stand our ground and say, no, you don't, devil. I I knew I would do this. Uh, Get off task. (laughs) That's all right. Go with me over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that's talking about the rapture. Our gathering together to him is another phrase referring to the rapture of the church. Did you hear me? Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of the Lord had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. We believe a better translation would be the departure. 
He says, do not let anyone deceive you by any means, for that day will not come until the departure comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is talking about the person that we commonly call the Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know. Now here's the point I wanted you to see. And now you know what is restraining. Do you see that? Now you know what is restraining that he, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, may be revealed in his own time. Before before certain things can happen, before the tribulation fully begins, before the Antichrist can be revealed, Something has to happen, and up until that time, something is restraining. You know what he said? And now you know what is restraining that the Antichrist might, might be revealed in his own time. There is something restraining that. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he has taken out of the way. There is something restraining the final manifestation of the Antichrist and the the beginning of the tribulation. There is something that is restraining that and it will restrain until it is taken out of the way. Now, Bible scholars and commentators are basically, there's, there, are more, there are more opinions than just these two, but there's two fundamental uh, primary opinions over uh, about who he who restrains is. It says, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. One school of thought says he who now restrains is the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit must be taken out of the earth Before the man of sin can be revealed. That the Holy Spirit is holding back lawlessness. Another school of thought. Again, these two are the most fundamental or most uh, widely uh, held views. Is that he who restrains refers to the church. The church must be taken out of the way. I like to say it. I I see validity in both of these positions. I simply say it like this. He who restrains is the Holy Spirit operating through the church. Because that's, that's where the Holy Spirit is working today. He's working through the church. That doesn't mean that he doesn't work you know, where sinners are and convicts people of sin. He does that. But I'm talking about uh, as far as his restraining influence in the earth today, he is doing this through the church. Well, when the church is raptured out, the Holy Spirit's ministry through the church will go with it. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and the lawless one will be revealed. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24. He said, then that lawlessness will abound. That's what will happen when the Holy Spirit operating through the church is taken out of this world. Lawlessness will, will abound. But up until that time, the church the Holy Spirit operating through the church is to restrain lawlessness, not give in to lawlessness. 
We are supposed to take our stand and say, no, you don't. We have a gospel to preach. We have a message. We have a work to do before Jesus comes back. And we are going to accomplish our ministry with our heads intact until Jesus comes back. We're not supposed to lay down before lawlessness and just say, well, the whole world just, you know, is just falling apart. No, take our place as the church. I told you the story a few weeks back, a few weeks back about my, uh, uh, I watched a, a, a man who's a friend of mine, his name is Terry Mize, and uh, he's a missionary, has been for many, many years. He's in his close to 70 years old now, but much, when he was much younger, he was a missionary in uh, Mexico. He lived down in Mexico. And he came back across the U.S. border into the States to buy some equipment for the ministry, some a PA system and some things associated with that. So he gathered up all of his supplies. He drove back over the, over the border, back down into Mexico. He picked up a hitchhiker. Make a long story short, the hitchhiker tried to rob him, put a gun up against his belly, pushed him right up against the... You know, he, was, he was in the driver's seat, and the guy pushed, put the gun you know, in his ribs and pushed him over against the door, said, I'm going to kill you. I want all your money. Terry Mice said, you're not going to kill me and you're not taking my money. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. You can't kill me. He pushed harder with the gun. He said, didn't you hear me? I'm going to kill you. He said, didn't you hear me? No, you're not. He said, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. And I've got a work to do and you're not killing me. And you're not, my money's mine. You're not taking it. So this went on and, you know, back and forth for, for quite a while. At one point, he got him out of the car and the, and the man put a pistol right up against his head and pushed his head back against the car. said, don't you understand? I'm gonna blow your head off. He said, don't you understand? No, you're not. Finally, the guy said, what's wrong with you anyway? He says, nothing wrong with me. I'm a Christian and I have a ministry to perform and you're not taking my life. See, we have authority and we are not to let the devil push us around. Nor are we to allow lawlessness to run rampant in the streets of our nation. Now, I've said this concerning authority. You can't, authority, the authority that God has given each of us as members of the body of Christ, it's the authority of Christ operating through the believer. That authority is primarily for you to use in your own life to stop the devil, to withstand the attacks of the enemy, to to run devils off, demons off, whoever, whatever the enemy would try to do to uh, interfere with God's plan for your life. Our authority is primarily for us. We cannot just go around promiscuously operating in spiritual authority in other people's lives. Because their will is involved. However, things that pertain to you, you have authority over. That's why in your family, you have a certain amount of authority. See, I have authority where my wife is concerned. I don't have as much authority with her as I do with myself. But I have more authority in her life than I do in somebody else's life. Because we are married, we are one in the Lord. We, are, we, we've, we have been joined together by the Holy Spirit. And so that because of that relationship, there's a certain amount of authority that we share between the two of us. When our children were little, our children's 
their, their care was our responsibility. And so we had a lot of authority in their lives to run the devil off of their lives, out of their lives. I had to run that skateboard devil out of this one here. But, <laughs> but uh, huh? I can't explain it. You might have to explain that. He said, you might want to explain that. You can explain it later. Anyway, uh, a parent has responsibility over a dependent child. And with that responsibility comes the necessary authority spiritual authority to stand guard over that child. When that child is, as, as he gets older, he must take more and more responsibility for himself. I don't have a lot of authority in Greg's life now. There's, there's still obviously a relationship. He's my son, but he's an adult and he's basically on his own where spiritual authority is concerned. But uh, I have a relationship with my wife that we are one and I have authority there because of that relationship. Well, in, in the, in the, uh, among people, I don't have that same relationship. But on the other hand, collectively, we are a nation. Just like we are a family, we are a nation. And the, the wonderful thing about the United States of America, something that has never existed in history before 250 years ago, was the establishing of a nation like the United States. Nothing like the United States has ever existed before where there is a nation that actually belongs to the people. Now we have a republic and we have, you know, representative government, but our government is, is for the people and by the people. And according to our Constitution, we, the citizens of the United States, we are this nation and we own this nation. It is ours. It, is, it does not belong to our representatives. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Our government, our nation does not belong to our elected representatives. We are still boss. Now I'm talking politically. We are still boss. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Well, because of that, we have authority. Our spiritual authority involves our nation because it's our nation. We, let me give you a, 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 the opposite of that. We cannot, as Christians in America, we cannot take authority over what's going on in France. We don't have any rights in France. There's nothing, nothing about the French Constitution has anything to do with us. We have no rights there or anywhere else. But we have rights here. 
And because of our rights, because of our relationship, because this nation belongs to us, just like your children belong to you when they're small, we have spiritual authority. We can take the name of Jesus, the power of God. We can break the devil's hold. We can say, no, you don't. You're not going to do this. You're not going to destroy our nation. You're not going to destroy our economy. You're not going to destroy our politics. Uh, 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 lawlessness and terrorism is not going to run rampant in our streets. But we have to stand up as a people, the people of God. That's why I'm teaching on, on authority. Where was I? Well, you can see here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the church is supposed to be restraining lawlessness. That's what we're called to do. Are we not called to it? Does the scripture not, did Jesus not say, you are the salt of the earth and the, excuse me, the light of the world? Everybody knows that salt during those days before refrigeration, salt had two purposes. One, it was a seasoning and the other, it was a preservative. We are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to do both. We're supposed to season people around us. That our influence uh, uh, among people in the world, we should have a, a savory influence. You, where, you work, where you work ought to be a sweeter place just because of you. Amen. Too many Christians come home and they say, well, you know, where I work is just a bunch of scoundrels and nobody's there is saved and it's just a terrible place to work. It's just oppressive. Listen, stand up and, and exercise your rights in Christ. Amen. You have the right to ex- you have the right to exert yourself in the spirit. I'm not talking about being obnoxious and pushy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the spirit without saying a word. Without trying to push yourself off on anybody. You can you, you can allow the the spirit of the living God to be so strong in your life that you just have a sanctifying influence everywhere you go. People ought to say, you know, I don't know what it is, but this, this company is so messed up. But every time I come into your little cubicle, it's just like there's a, there's just like I'm enveloped in peace. I don't know what it is about you. That's what we're supposed to have. That's one purpose of salt is to provide flavor. The other purpose of salt is to provide a uh, 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 preservative. And that's that restrainer of lawlessness. Well, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.